If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This week in PlayStation, we're talking about my review of Bluey the Video Game. If PlayStation Portal's more successful than PlayStation VR 2 already, and why The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered is a great idea. We'll have all this and more because this is PSI Love You XOXO. Welcome to the show, everybody. That's Blessing. That's Janet. I'm Greg. And you can get this show on patreon.com slash kind of funny. There you can watch us record it live, get it ad free and get dozens of monthly exclusive episodes each and every month. That's why it's monthly. If you have no bucks to toss our way, no big deal. Support us on the Epic Game Store, Fortnite, Rocket League, or Fall Guys with the creator code kind of funny. You can get PSI Love You XOXO for free with ads and without the exclusive content over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and podcast services around the globe. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Jackson Hampton, Delaney Twining. Today we're brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, but let's start with a PSN message from you. We'll go right there to the live chat. Cooper, Lowell, that smile. Royal Martin, the giggles. Lowell, it's because I, Barrett counts me in and I go, what does Bless do? Lean back, start messing with his belly. I'm like, are you taking your pants off right I was now? Taking my ja- I was taking my jacket off because I, I, I had too many layers. You had so long to decide about this jacket, Bless. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's really cold in the office area. Uh, in this area, it's slightly warmer, but still cold enough to where I was like, okay, I'm going to keep on the layers. But as we were starting, I was like, oh, actually, no, it's not. I, I think it's a good temperature if I wanted to take off the layers. I didn't want to keep on the layers because, as you see, the kind of funny sweatshirt is blue. And then I have over That's a classic sweatshirt. Jacket. You've had that a long time. Yeah. And that's been the thing is, like, you know, I like it a lot, but I like it. I wear it for comfort. I don't wear it for style. Sure. And when I'm on camera, I wanna, I'm want i trying to be more Tim Gettys. I'm trying to adopt fashion over function. Sure. And so, yeah, like, it clashes with my tie-dye shirt that I have going on. So I didn't want to wear it all at once, but I was going to give up and be like, you know what? Fuck it. It's too cold. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it off. And those last second decision. But how did yeah, it affect it your pants so badly? <laughs> I don't know. I got to get new jeans. Like, I'm just tired of these jeans. Okay. I got to adjust them a lot. Sure. Yeah. That'll happen. That'll happen. Janet, how, how is your clothing situation and temperature? Are you okay? I'm doing okay. okay. I, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I feel like I've said this on the show before. Like, I feel like on air at one point, but frankly, a lot of times I do just sweat through my entire outfit. Oh, sure. Just deal with it afterwards. Um, yeah, I feel good now, but... Who's to say, you know, things can change. I run cold and then I end up overcompensating. And then the thing is like that people don't realize at home is like when you have like the lights on you and they're like, you just start heating up. And it's funny because like, I remember doing, um, especially when I did everything at my desk proper, if I had a stream with somebody else, like my brother, I'm like, Hey, I, we can turn the lights off. Like it's, I like it for like the look of it, but I'd rather you just be comfortable because you're not used to doing this. He's like, I'm burning up. And I'm like, I do this every day and I just sit here. And I fry a little bit, but that's how you sweat it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's how Uh, you know you're um, doing something that matters. I don't know. Also, I I mean, I I talked about at the top of the show. Obviously, you know, Patreon.com/slash kind of funny. You can watch the show live. 
We've already involved them with, of course, them making fun of my giggles. I'm also seeing a lot of comments about my drink situation. Okay, yeah. you got a lot of liquid over I there. I have three I things. Three this coffee is almost though. the coffee from a McCafe is almost gone. So when it's gone, I'm going to take the coffee I have in the thermos from home and put it in there. All right. Mm. This is oh, a little planning that's a lot ahead. Of coffee. Here. I love coffee. I mean, I, I know. How do you think, I get, I how do you think you get up you to this coffee? level, Bless? <laughs> yeah. my, my liquid situation at my desk is also crazy. What are you drinking? It looks like you're drinking either ginger ale or some like liquid IV mix. No, it's a yerba mate. Uh -huh. um, I was convinced ah. by Raj Corny to get some, to split a yerba mate with him. But it was also the thing where I didn't want to get it at first because I'm also drinking a naked juice that's back at my desk. And then also a coffee that's at my desk. Mm. And after Andy Cortez... You a lot of fluids, too. A lot of fluids. And after Andy Cortez telling his story recently of getting a kidney stone, I feel like it's too much of not water. <laughs> yeah, but you're doing juice. Yeah. You're a mate. I don't even know. I mean, I mean, Andy was drinking just Mountain Dew. Yeah. But know? I feel like it's just the okay. fact that you're not drinking enough water. Like, I think any well, sugary yeah, sure. drink... It's probably going to contribute to like a possible kidney stone. But down is, the road. is a yerba mate a sugary drink? Thank you. A little it's, bit. It's sweet. I'm not. Gonna, I would never touch here. a juvie. All right. Disgusting. Disgusting little gremlins. Is juvie? Is it? Is that just Andy Cortez working through those things? I think so. Gary, we Gary get, drinks them too. Okay, we get them delivered by the packs. Like we have a lot of juvie that we get delivered here, and I think yeah, Andy Cortez by himself is just blazing through them. It's very impressive. But then he gets kidney stones, and then I it makes me worry because kidney stones were one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's like you're peeing out a rock. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but for biggest fears, it's like, I it's not an unreasonable biggest fear, but I, feel I wasn't like, if you told me to guess your biggest fears, I would not have put kidney stones in there. But I feel like because I think they're also. But I mean, just like so, biggest fear that's kind of realistic. That's the thing. It's okay. like Greg and ticks and like the Lyme disease because it could actually happen. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a feasible thing for me. A kidney stone is such a feasible thing. Whereas, like, what? What's the dark going to do to me? Like, you want me to be afraid of, um, what, heights? Clowns? I am afraid of clowns. But, like... Really? Yeah. Because no, those I are also a feasible thing. Like, clowns afraid? are real. Like, like you can't be around them? Or, like... They, like, yeah, they unsettle you? They unsettle, they unsettle me. Okay. I can be around clowns. I'm not... I'm never going to ask to be around a clown. Sure. I'm sure. never going to be like, yo, let's go to the so circus if I say today. You're down, if, are you down to... But are you down so to... So even that, like, if I was like, let's go to the circus, something cool is happening? Wow. Because the clown. Probably, yeah, because of the clowns. Wow. But you're surrounded by 10 clowns every day. How do you get that? Hey, that's true. But it's also... I appreciate you tossing Joey in there. Usually she gets left out. It's usually like, honestly, it's more so the clown makeup than anything. Yeah. It's just the look of them. Mm -hmm. Something about it just unsettles so it does. Are you like one of those like it kids? Like where you're, you know, like sure. it is like sure. the worst horror film for you or... Not really, because for me, <laughs> honestly, for me, any clown is on the same level as the it clown it doesn't matter that the okay. it clown is scarier like scarier looking or has more of a dangerous presentation to it all all clowns are on the same level a happy clown if anything might be worse because they're hiding like what they got going on you know like they're all okay. <laughs> plucky and smiley and like upbeat and it's like well deep down i know you're a fucking murderer i'm polyatry yeah sure a what now <laughs> we start with a PSN message from you, ladies and gentlemen. You can write in to be part of the show for free at confunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y. Marty wrote in and said, I wrote in a couple months back about whether PlayStation VR 2 or the PlayStation Portal would be more popular as a device. I think the consensus was the PlayStation Portal would be. Now that you've had some hands-on time with the uh, now that you've had some hands-on time and the portal is out, do you think the PlayStation Portal will be more popular and successful as a device? Janet? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's a little tough without actually thinking of the raw numbers and like what's feasible. But sure. I think for the fact that it's a lower price point, which I get why it's a lower price point. I'm not saying that PSVR two is like it should be the cause of the portal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think too a lot of the conversation I've seen around portal was 
you don't think you need this, but you kind of do. And PSVR 2, the conversation was more like, you probably didn't think you needed it. And like, maybe you were right. Like, and again, <laughs> obviously there's caveats to that. Like a VR specific outlet or enthusiast site might have a little bit of a different perspective. But I think even in that space, it's not exactly as if PSVR 2 emerged and shook the VR world up in a big way. So um, it didn't really like hit in that more niche lane as hard as it could have. And then obviously with a casual audience, the buy-in is a lot higher where like PSVR 2, the question for a casual person or someone that's not, you know, into VR for the sake of VR, the question then becomes the software. And that's why so much of me and Blessing's review conversation was, you know, what were those experiences like? And, and did we, you know, how do we feel about that? Obviously we did talk hardware as well and, you know, the comfort and all of that. But at the end of the day, like the software is what's going to keep us coming back. And that's kind of why we haven't really super came back right yeah uh, well the porter it's it's like if you just like that handheld experience that's kind of it obviously there's connection issues depending on if your wi-fi is strong enough and things like that but the buy-in is a lot simpler like you've experienced something like this before and it's the games that you know and love so i don't know how much this is going to move the needle for playstation in a sense but i do think I feel like if you pulled PS5 fans generally and could give them one or the other, I think people would be reaching for the portal over VR2. But what do y'all think? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I stand by. I think that portal will be more popular, more successful. But then I, I fall back into the normal thing of what are we counting as a success? Is it the number of portals move versus the number of PlayStation VR2s moved? When will we get numbers on that, et cetera, et cetera? Right now, I would say that I... I I, 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 I'm, like I said, still behind the portal on this one. And I think that popular opinion sways that way as well. Uh, I had seen this question when I was going through the mailbag today to build the show, right? And get one. But earlier that morning, I had seen an exchange where someone tagged me, Phil Spencer and somebody else. I forget who saying, uh, and this is Justin on Twitter, just blindly. I'm looking for a PlayStation portal. Any help would be appreciated. Some guy named Spike's cousin responds, since I'm between Chicago and Wisconsin most weekends, I'll keep a lookout, but it's been bare outside of resellers and their bullshit. Justin responded to Spike. I should have pre-ordered when I had the chance. I didn't expect them to be so popular. Shrug emoji. Spike says agreed. I put up a poll over on my own Twitter. Again, this is very haphazard. It's only been up a little bit, right? But I said, have you been struggling to find a PlayStation portal in the wild? Like buying one that is out. 22% said yes. 7.4% said no. And then there's the, I don't care. Show me the results thing. That's dominating, right? But 22 versus seven is what we're talking about for that. And then my, the mentions there are, kind of in the exact same boat, right? MJ says, not available anywhere in the UK currently. New stock expected on Wednesday, though, according to PlayStation Direct. Jake says, I wanted to hold off until reviews hit, so I didn't think I'd actually find one, but last week I thought, just for curiosity's sake, I'd check with my friend if he got any in his store, and he just laughed at me. Uh, then there's one here for jo Jody says had no problem pre-ordering one. I feel like it. I feel like I was even late to pre-ordering and still had no issues pre-ordering. Trying to find one for a friend now after launch and having zero luck. So it seems like there's a lot of goodwill for it. The people I've seen, and granted, you know, it's our peers and our friends and people who all like video games the same way we like video games. All the feedback I've seen from it on, on Twitter has been people actually taking photos of their portal and actually talking about how much they liked it. But bless, am I wrong? I mean, the thing I'm more so curious about is the, you know, what do we mean when we say more popular device? Because yeah. going back a few months, I, I'm... I, I'm this is the tough thing about podcasting multiple times a day where we say so many things. Did we really say the portal would be more popular than PSVR 2? Yeah. Because I, I would be, for me, I would say popular in the sense that I think it would be more liked. Yeah, I but, think, and, that, and again, that's, that goes back yeah. to my argument here of like, 
How many do they make right now for launch? Do yeah. they make way more VR? I don't, for think, that? I don't think that VR would sell more than Portal just for the just for how niche of a product Portal is. Sure. I think VR would would a VR device would sell more because that is like its own platform, its own library that goes with these things, right? If you're buying VR two, you're buying that to play Horizon Call of the Mountain, or you're buying it to play Gran Turismo, sure. or you're buying it to play any of these other games. So I think on a sales level, a VR two device would sell more than a Portal device because Portal is so niche in, in terms of function. But yeah, like I'm, I'm, I, I think for me the general consensus in terms of do people like this thing? Um, yeah, it seems like a lot more, a lot more people are actually being a bit more outspoken about how much they like the Portal versus how much they like the PSVR 2. Right. People were all spoken to us because we reviewed it, right? And like, you know, but even then what I would, what I would counter with, right, is the fact that again, I'm talking about, oh, my Twitter feed's alive with so many people sharing their portal, enjoying their portal experiences, yada, yada, yada. It was never that for PlayStation VR 2. PlayStation yeah. VR 2, I had a few friends who took a photo of the box arriving and then never, crickets. Yeah. I mean, you jump ahead now, I never hear anybody talk about it. Now, you know, you jump ahead whatever it's been, a, a little, about a year, we'll say, right? So yeah. From Portal's launch, like we are about a year from VR2's launch, launch yeah. and we'll be like, all right, cool, are people talking about Portal still? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I, there's um, one of the videos I saw on my timeline this morning was from IGN, and it Never was from of. one of their folks saying that like, you know, when the Portal was first announced, there were so many questions of- Seth Macy. Well, yeah. yeah, it was Seth Macy, yeah. Never like, heard of him. You know, why would people get this thing? Like, what's this, young, what's this function, yada, yada. And like, he put up his thoughts on it saying that, yeah, after you, after you actually get your hands on it, like, it really does justify um, its own existence. Like, it's one of the best ways to play remote player, right? And it's, and it's a really cool way to play PlayStation. Now, again, that's going to only speak to a certain amount of people. Sure. Um, but I think the people, if you're in that niche, if you're in that audience, then it really does speak to you. Like, it's so fun coming back to work. Now I just leave my portal at work because my internet at home just isn't hanging with what I need it yeah. uh, to do for the portal. But when I come into work, it is exciting for me to find time of the day where I'm like, oh, I have a minute to play a, a game. Let me pick up my portal as opposed to actually like sitting in my desk to play my PlayStation. Let me take my portal, lay it on one of the couches we got out there and just play more Sea of Stars. Yeah. And it's such a, a nice breath of fresh air in a way that for me, VR 2, I didn't have as many of those. Like to play Horizon Call of the Mountain felt like a, all right, I got to play this for review, right? Or like, you know, I, tr I checked out Gran Turismo because I thought that was a cool thing. Or like Before Your Eyes was like was yeah. one moment where I was like, okay, this is really cool. But, you know, right now my PSVR 2 is collecting dust. Um, Portal, I can see more of the long-term um, uses for it beyond this year. Yeah. And so I, I, I think it has that going for it as well. Yeah, well said. It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't think I don't. Yeah, I guess I think I've, my remote play has gone up dramatically. And that's saying something for me. Yeah. Somebody who touched it all the time. But it is that idea of like, you know, in the past when it would be, all right, Jen was going to go to bed, I would go downstairs to the TV, right? I have found myself being like, oh, well, the portal's good enough. It's, you know, for what I'm playing, I'm not, you know, if I was starting the next God of War or whatever, but some more Dead Island, Bluey, the video game, like mm -hmm. these are great experiences. Sea of Stars even are great experiences for me to dive in on Portal and, and lay down in bed next door for an hour. I also wonder what their sales projections are for yeah. the Portal versus yeah. something like PSVR 2. Because for PSVR 2, more expensive device, um, you're making software for it. Like I think what you want that to do so you can get your return on it is way more than what you'd want a portal to do where i think sure. playstation understands what the purpose of a portal is i think it is to get into people's hands for the for the hardcore audience that has the use case for something like this i think it also is a way to promote remote play more and try to get people to use remote play more because for me as somebody who plays playstation a lot like remote play is something where you know i'm oh man i gotta bust out my phone and do this and connect it to a thing but i I'm somebody who likes to look at my phone while I play video games sometimes. And so I don't always want to use my phone for that, right? Like, I don't always want to 
you know, put up, you, uh, boot up my laptop so I can remote play it, remote play my PlayStation when I don't know what I'm going to have good internet. I don't even know if I like, you know, if that's the thing I want to use it for. I think remote, or I think the portal gives more people more of the awareness of, oh, this feature exists on the PlayStation. Like I can actually play this way and it work in a way that actually makes this use case worth it. You know, I think, I think before for me with remote play, I would have to force myself into those situations where remote play was an actual solution to a thing. Yeah. You know, like I think back to playing Persona 5 uh, when that first came out with remote play. And the reason why I wanted to do that remote play is because that's how I played Persona 4 Golden. And it just felt, felt right. natural. It felt natural playing it that way. That was such a specific use case for that. And I feel like so many people just don't have the scenario where they're do like using remote play because why would they? Um, Portal actually gives you more of those use cases. And so... Yeah, like I think that's what it's here to do. And I think in that, looking through it through that lens, I can see a PlayStation being more happy with the results of what Portal is doing as opposed to the results of what they're doing with PSVR 2. I think too, like I, while, you know, I don't know how big Portal's going to be in, you know, the PlayStation ecosystem holistically when we look at it years later, will it be like a big staple or will it be a cool thing that some people had? We don't really know yet. But I think the void that PlayStation Portal fills for PlayStation is to sort of add to what Bless said. It helps idiot-proof the concept of remote play a little bit, which sure. is frankly, that's the appeal for for me, where I'm like, yeah, I can do it on my phone, but like, wouldn't this be like maybe easier, or like more, com you know, yeah. just something that makes it a little bit simpler to do. Um, it, so it, it does that, it promotes the fact that remote play exists, but then it also has the thing where, again, when you think ecosystems, which PlayStation's methodology is a lot less ecosystem centric than um, what Microsoft has going on, but they still are kind of leaning into aspects of that ecosystem with this device where instead of saying remote play, oh, use your laptop from some other company or your phone with the backbone, they're like, why don't we come with, up with an in-house solution? So, hey, we have everything you need to do everything you can do here with our stuff, with our device. You're in it, you know it, you like it, and kind of you know, add to that so that you're not going for like more third party solutions for what is inherently like a first party problem. I think it also helps kind of, I wouldn't say future proof, but there's that aspect of remote play and streaming is a little bit on where gaming could go. I don't necessarily think we'll fully go there for many reasons, but I think there's a lot of desire for that to be a little bit more of a thing from, um, I guess everyone but Nintendo, because Nintendo's always like, we're gonna do something else, you know? But like, it's it's heading that way a bit or that's a, an option that people are like digging into so it's like okay let's build it and then kind of see what we can do with this vertical that way if we ever do end up going more so this way we're not like oh my god we have to start coming up with stuff and getting people on board it'll already be part of the conversation again whether or not it takes off sort of similar to playstation's vr efforts is almost neither here nor there because they're sort of planting seeds to hopefully you know bloom and hopefully the risk is not you know uh gonna negate the potential reward right like and that's kind of our conversations too even around like the aspects of live service you always want to stay ahead of what how things might shift or like where do we have gaps and how can we fill them while kind of playing that push and pull of okay let's do that though without like investing so much into an idea that we're now like detracting from the things that we are good at for sure and it'll be interesting, you know, just to see when they do release numbers, if they release numbers, when they talk about PlayStation VR 2 again, what they're talking about with Portal. Again, is this going to be something I think, you know, I remember infamously Andy House at the end of the year when they announced or, or their first run of PlayStation VR, to, VR, where he was just like, this thing was way more successful than we thought it was going to be. So I mm. was wrong. I wonder if we'll get something about that or if this is on par with what they wanted. But good luck if you're trying to get a Portal out there. For now, 
Let's move on to topic of the show. There it is. It popped for a second, went away. Then it came back. Uh, blessing, Janet, The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered is real. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing, Blessing. But it's, they're going to charge $70 for it. They're going to charge $10 for it if you already own the goddamn thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, but what if wow. I don't? You know, that's going to be $70. If you missed it, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, of course, Friday, uh, the, what we've all heard rumors of, which had leaked and started falling through the cracks and doing all these different things, Naughty Dog finally made it official and went out there and said, yes, The Last of Us Part Two Remastered is real. They put up a trailer uh, among the things announced in there. that it, I, I love the little graphic they put out, right? Players that have purchased this title, The Last of Us Part Two, the PlayStation 4 box, then a little arrow, can upgrade to the PS5 remaster for $10 digital only. Uh, PS5 features include... Graphical enhancements, lost levels, full dual sense wireless controller integration, new outfits, guitar free play, exclusive exclusive roguelike survival mode, The Last of Us Part 2 remastered, no return. Uh, to get into more details, I'm reading from the Naughty Dog blog. The mode includes a host of playable characters to choose from, some playable for the first time in The Last of Us franchise, which you may have spotted in our trailer, <coughs> who each come with their own traits to suit different playstyles. Players will chart their own course on each run, choosing between various stealth and combat encounters that will pit you against a range of enemies uh, with unique twists that can add new unexpected factors to any given encounter. Each run will offer a new chance to decide what rewards you get after each encounter, how you spec out your character, and more. Unlock more characters, skins, and more as you progress to use in the mode, customize your own runs, and compete on the daily leaderboards as part of the daily run. Uh, we're excited to share more about No Return as we get closer to launch. On top of that, reading through more bullet points, a new set of lost levels in Part 2 Remastered allows players to a unique chance to check out some playable sequences previously cut from the game. These aren't fully finished levels, but rather early development slices that not only let you see some new glimpses of Part 2's world, but also include embedded developer commentary to give them richer context. Explore these spaces and hear directly from the team about their, in uh, I'm sorry, about their intention of aspects uh, of each level. Uh, this is a unique inclusion for our studio, and we're excited to allow players a glimpse into the creative process. We've also included a newly recorded director's commentary across uh, the campaign's cutscenes from director Neil Druckmann, narrative lead Hallie Gross, and actors Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, and Laura Bailey. They assemble to offer insight into the story and its characters that means so much both to our team and our fans, and we're delighted to give fans even more understanding of the team's approach to this story. We've ensured Part 2's award-winning suite of accessibility options returns for this PlayStation 5 experience alongside new additions like the inclusion of descriptive audio and speech to vibrations, which uses the DualSense controller to indicate, indicate character speech and cadence. This unlockable, or I'm sorry, the unlockable speedrun mode, including The Last of Us Part 1, will also be coming to Last of Us uh, Part 2 Remastered, allowing players to post their best times. Blessing. Greg. This broke while we were uh, doing Coco. Kind of funny, was gathered in the room there discussing 2024, what we want to do. I put up a dumb reaction video, right? Because we were all going to watch it. The trailer was finally posted. We put it up. I recorded it. I posted it to Twitter. It's us being a bunch of clowns watching it. It's just us having fun, at, you know, cheering or doing whatever, right? And you're like laughing at certain things or whatever. I was shocked by some of the tweet responses to this one. Nonstop talent tweeted back at me and said, come on, you all applauding a remaster of a game that came out three years ago? You guys are the problem. Why Sony ain't trying to invent anything new. 
Yeah. Reed Storm 3 says, weird to celebrate a company charging $10 on a minor update when so many companies do updates like this for free. We should expect more from Sony. Accept more is what he says. From Sony. Uh, not to be appreciative when they tossed up a $10 bone. And then SSJR Newman says, uh, very cringe to be excited for another remaster of a game that came out three years ago. This literally could have just been a free update. Stop the shilling. Blessing, are we shilling right now for The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered? I mean, to find shilling, like, I think we're excited for a game that... Damning response, we, no, I was kidding. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're like excited for a game that we were excited for before. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm writing down in my notes. I've been, okay, seeing more, I've been seeing more and more of this type of response for big remasters like this, and it confuses me, because I feel like this is nothing new. Uh, like, this kind of remaster is nothing new. Like, I go back to the beginning of the PS4 generation, where every single PS3 game felt like it was getting remastered, right? Yeah. Like, whether it was Red Faction Gorilla remastered, or, like, you know, Last of Us 1 getting a remaster the next year after Last of Us um, uh, came out on PS3. Like, GTA 5 got a remaster, right, on, PS, on PS4. Um, that's been a thing that's been going on uh, for forever and i'm curious on like what the examples we're talking about uh, are in terms of like you know companies doing this for free because i feel like when we usually get those they come in the form of something like smart delivery for um, on the xbox side which is a really cool feature sure. right where it is hey we're making a ps5 version or we're making an xbox series x version of this game but if you already own the game you already you get it for free right you get the free update but i always feel like that's more of just a port situation as opposed yeah. to like a quote-unquote remastered situation now so much of the terminology is weird and gray and morphs together and like some of these words are starting to mean less and less as we go because there is a port there's a remaster there's a remake there's all these there's a director's cut right there's all these different ways in which you can package all these things and all of them mean something different but also some of them mean the same thing in turn uh, depending on what context we're talking about right. them with um i don't know i think for me the idea of getting a last was two that is taking advantage of the quote-unquote power of the ps5 right i know when we when i say that that sounds chilling because it is why we're we using these terms when it is these are playstation 5 buzz terms right I mean, but, like, are, but i mean we all felt this way before we had the playstation 5 yeah then we all played astrobot and we're like holy shit wait a second the dual sense controller actually matters yeah and i get I, you know, I, I think my thing is like you know how much do certain things matter to certain people it's all it's all gonna change of course i like the idea of like oh yeah sure like let me play last was two with like the adapter trigger stuff and the hd in the haptic all that stuff right but then also ps5 powered performance modes and fidelity modes like that's something that speaks to me that's something that i like for me the main thing that i'm excited for is the roguelite mode right yeah. like that sounds like a really cool new feature that sounds like a, and i'm somebody who you know i love me some roguelites and so yeah like from somebody who really liked a game like returnal really liked a game like hades right i really like these hey i'm going in and i'm saying how long i can last and getting upgrades to these different characters i'm somebody who like lasts this multiplayer a lot yeah, like this sounds like a mode that is being tailored for me. So for sure, like that's something that excites me. Um, so yeah, like I don't think it's wrong to be excited about this thing. I think there's deeper conversations in terms of like, you know, like is this a, a story that I want to play again? Like is this, how is this game going to hit for people in 2024? I think there's conversations there. Sure. But I think overall in terms of the way they're packaging it, I think they're packaging it in a, in a completely fine way. I The thing that stands out for me is just almost a fundamental lack of understanding of the business of video games. And I, of course, am not in the business of video games, just about critiquing them and talking about them. But how can we sit here and be like, okay, this is an insult when they're actually trying and they're actually doing stuff. There are plenty of remasters that are just the game again. Yeah. We'll charge you full price. We'll put it out that way, right? We just came off the Metal Gear Solid collection volume one. That was like the, here it is. 
the most like, here it is. We're just doing this again. We didn't do any bells and whistles. We didn't celebrate this game at all. We didn't do anything interesting, right? You want to jump into this and talk about the commentary mode. Okay, cool. Like, there's an audience for that. The Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast I did with uh, Neil, Ashley, and Troy on Kind of Funny, right? I looked at it today, and I didn't know this. It's coming up on a million views. It's it's over 900,000 right now, which is astronomical for a kind of funny video, right? There is an audience that's hungry for this, that wants to engage with it while they play with it. So like doing that alone, awesome. Me as a big Naughty Dog nerd, Lost Levels, yeah, sure. They could put out a video, I guess, of walking me through this and talking about it. I'd much rather be on the sticks, see what it's all about, why is this happening? And then, yeah, the no return thing. I don't even want to get to, I, I think, again, the lack of fundamental understanding of the industry, right, in video game business comes in and I want to bring in the whiff of factions that that Mm -hmm. has not happened and that did not happen the way they wanted to it but not just yet with the factions looming like the fact that we didn't get that they could have easily just put this out and and charged five ten dollars just for the roguelike yeah I think and people would have been either like that's great that's bad but it would have been like if they're like hey we're doing this to tide you over here's this thing they could have done that and given you none of this other stuff let alone last was part two remastered so then to double back to it right like you're talking about multiple business aspects for why this is happening. Number one is the fact that they want it to be easy for any HBO fan to walk into Walmart, to see the system, to see the two games in the same blue box as the PS five logo, buy them, go home, play them, have it, make it sense to them, not go through this. Well, it's backwards compatible on PS four. So if you did this, you could Mm. do that, but nobody wants that for the, the fans they're trying to get. They are trying to get in the Hogwarts legacy fans who went and bought their machines for one game. They want people who are like, holy shit, this was a game on HBO. This is great. Aside from that, there is the fact that factions didn't happen. Factions did not happen the way it was supposed to. In a world where every effing week, if not a day, on Kind of Funny Games Daily, we run through another set of layoffs. Like, why would you not want someone producing content? Why would you not want there to be at least some green in the ledger for Naughty Dog. And I know you can be, oh, well, woe is me. Naughty Dog laid people off, right? PlayStation's been laying off their swing team we've been talking about on the shows, right? But Media Molecule, uh, you can go into the Concrete Genie, Pixel Opus being closed, right? Like PlayStation is trying to make money. That is not a bad thing. This is a product that is wanted by a whole bunch of different people and they put in a bunch of work, it seems. Yeah, I could be wrong. We can get it. And it could be, oh, actually, this all sucks. I also, no. I also don't know what you lose out by this being released. I think people think that because they're making a remaster means that, oh, they're working on nothing else. Like, they've been working on this for the last three, three and a half years, and we're not going to get whatever the next Naughty Dog game is. That's not how this works, right? Not like, stop talent. You guys are the problem. Why Sony ain't trying to invent anything new. No, they are trying, and they didn't hit the mark. Yeah. Which means that they had to lay off the QA team. Like, they, what? No. They're trying. That's the point. I'd like them to try and I'd like them to double back to give worthwhile content when it makes sense and make some money. And like, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I understood the conversation when it was last as part one, right? Oh, you guys are remaking this game that came out late PS3. I already got a remaster on PS4. Like you're remaking it from the ground up. You're re-releasing this thing for the third time. Like this is weird. And I get that conversation. I ended up playing that game and I ended up loving it, right? Like that's my favorite version of the last of us one, because it is the most spruced up version. I think there's, a lot of ways to justify that. And I think, you know, that came together in a way that I personally enjoyed, right? Because I'm yeah. in a PS5 version of that thing. I think for this, I don't know what the, what you're losing, right? I don't know why, I don't know why you wouldn't want a PS5 native version of the last was. And I like, I'll even look toward Bloodborne as the, as, as the example. Sure. We asked for a 
modern version of Bloodborne all the time. In fact, a lot of people call for remakes. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know if we need a remake. We just need, we just need a 60 FPS version. Like, that's <laughs> all we need, right? And like, we clamor for it. We ask for it. Every single time we're about to approach a new presentation or a new place to showcase or whatever, we're like, Bloodborne remastered, Bloodborne remake. Give me something that's 60 FPS. Give me a spruced up version of Bloodborne. And they're basically just doing that for Last of Us Part Two, and we're getting mad yeah, because you don't, we care you don't about see this that conversation that. though around Last of Us Two. Like, and also for the record, like I'm not mad that it's out. I'm like, I'm just kind of like, oh okay. Like I heard this news, and I was like, oh okay, yeah, this makes sense because this is like how PlayStation is. And I think if you're if you're mad at that fact, like that's just going to be how you feel about it. But yeah, like you guys have pointed out, they are like the kings of this. I mean, even in in the our last episode talking about the ps4 a lot of the things that i played were like these collections that were and i do miss the era of like i'd love to see again i'm gonna sound old as hell but like the the ps5 version of like last of us one and last of us two in one case and like oh, whatever you know like i think that'd be cool but like that's not really a thing as much because physical media is do you, putting that out in the era of like half these consoles don't have disc drives you know what i mean yeah so yeah. like stuff changes but it also stays the same. Like this is PlayStation's ethos. And if it's an, an ethos that annoys you, I think there's like a little validity to feeling like, oh, okay, like this is, you know, like I wrote down in my notes, um, PlayStation has heard the memes and they do not care. Like, you know, <laughs> they, they don't care. Like, and I don't know, I can see how like that, it gets a little bit like tired and tropey where it is these remasters of games that came out like two days ago, you know, where people are like the Horizon remaster is net, you know, we've been talking about that for a long time. And I'm sure it probably is. Cause like, this is just what they do. And like, yes, obviously there is the business component for them doing it, but like, I don't necessarily feel like there's, I think too often we try to like prescribe like almost an aspect of morality to like releasing a remaster of a game. And it's like, this is something they, you know, either on an optimistic level the team wanted to do on a pessimistic level, Naughty Dog, you know, people down up were like, hey, like, we want you to do this thing and we're going to like, you know, make a little bit of money off of it or whatever. I do think the $10 upgrade is super nice. They easily could have done this again at like the 60 or 70 bucks. And then when it would have sold, cause like it will, like, I think the other aspect of this is there are, and not everybody, but there is a sector when you think of people that are upset or annoyed or whatever, there is a sector of that audience that's mad. Cause it's just not free. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, part of the reason you're mad is because you do want it yeah like you you heard about no return and you you want it real bad but you don't want to spend the ten dollars and we're like i want to spend that you know what i mean so well you know it is to y'all's point of the the value that is being added it's there is a little bit of like if you really didn't care then like you just won't buy it and that's neither here nor there like whatever right but like maybe you see this and you're like I kind of want that, but like, why aren't you just giving it to me? You know what I mean? Which I think is totally. a little bit unreasonable. Um, I, or I think it's at least, if that's how you feel, that's at least worth reflecting on and kind of admitting like, you know, and I don't know, I think people struggle to admit those aspects of things. But yeah, for me, this is just part of the, the memes of the remakes and the remasters. They always put out this shit. They do it all the time. And like, I'm not annoyed or bothered by it because like, this is what they do. Like, so, and there's still pockets of times where I might, you know, there's a version of this that could exist where, to Blessing's point, we're having more of a conversation of, oh, like, but did we need, you know, there's a little bit more space for that at times. But at the end of the day, it's like, am I mad Nintendo makes me buy the same thing again? No, because yeah. that's just what they, I mean, there's still some, an aspect of conversation worth having, but at the same time, this is what they do. This is how it is. Like, 
I'm I'm surprised that some of y'all are surprised because it's that's, like and that's yeah, my thing like, is like if this was what it is if this was announced at PlayStation Showcase and it was the yeah. closer then I'd be like oh I understand why y'all are mad right if this was announced at a, at Jeff Keighley's Game Awards or some Game Fest and it was like if this got teased yeah if like it was, was going to be this huge if it was thing. built up if it was oh and it's coming out in a year or something like that then I'd be like all right this feels unnecessary they they drop this out of the blue and it's coming out in like a month and a half it's, it's coming out in yeah. two months right like. I feel like that's an appropriate way to, to treat this thing, right? It's being treated as not low-key, but lower-key than what they would treat a brand-new game. Um, so I think that's one there. And also, like, to the, for my point about, like, the Bloodborne comparison, right? My comparison sure. there is just that they're both PS4 games, and people want remasters of one, and for some reason get mad at when the other gets a remaster. Like, I'm this, and I'm somebody who I want a remaster of Bloodborne, right? Like, I want some kind of update to Bloodborne being 60 FPS. But my thing is, like, if you want one then why are you getting mad at the other? Like, what's, why, what about the last was, uh, version of doing it is making you I mad? I do think they end up being unrelated, though. Yeah, but I guess I get, I get you mean. No, Naughty like, Dog should doesn't take spend away. their time making the Bloodborne remake. <laughs> yeah. The but resources like, also, that I went think, to this would have gone to that. I think it's also silly that we still act like remasters and remakes have anything to do with what's needed in, like, the greater game. You know, it, again, and it's, in business isn't inherent. Well, business can be evil, but it's not inherently evil right it's like uh, we get remasters and remakes of things that sell like it's like and you know sometimes there are older games that like can benefit from those updates to be experienced in a new modern era but at the end of the day like when i think of games that have disappointed me that i wish could get remade they're never going to be remade because they didn't do well because no one you know what i mean like so where's the, the infamous day, like, remaster exactly the remaster remake conversation <laughs> is never really it's always just like a hey it's on this platform with maybe some bells and whistles. It's never about, uh, oh, they they failed at making this game and now they're giving it another shake. Like that's just not what they are. And I think it's a little silly to act like they're not, that they're, that they're, they're suddenly more than they've ever been. Like at the end of the day, it's about, you know, selling it to more people, the, the super fans having a new way to play it. Like this is always what it's been about. And does PlayStation do it to like the umpteenth degree? Yeah, a little bit. That's kind of what they're known for, but also like they've, they, that's just what they do. So it's whatever, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play it. I want to see the lost level section. It's, I want to try and overturn. It's and like that's fine, you know. It's interesting too because like I feel like this one get is getting balked on the internet nonstop because it's following Last of Us Part One, which yes. of course already got remastered. But I remember when Last of Us dropped on PS3, and then when Bruce and Neil came in for Beyond Spoiler Cast, I remember going to lunch and asking them on the walk back like. So is it coming? To, are we getting a PlayStation 4 version? Like, yeah, off the record, you are. It's going to be this remake. And I was like, mm. oh, about, I was so excited. And it seemed like people were excited about that one back then. And so I feel like this one is getting blowback because people were pissed off about part oh, for one. Sure. When it's like, I also think it's the ongoing narrative of like, oh, PlayStation's working on a re remake. PlayStation's all oh, the Horizon Zero Dawn remake or remaster. Who know what they're going to call it at this point, right? But like, they're working on that. And I think it is the idea of, oh, but we're getting a bunch of these and it feels like resources are going to this. And I think... I think that's true to some extent, but I don't think that this is a big, like, I don't think there's a big hubbub to make about this one in particular. I think the last is part one. Like, I get it. Yeah, like, resources went to that. Like, people took their time to make that. Now, does that take away from the fact that Nidoc's still working on something else? No, like, they, they have people working on different things. That's how that works. Um, but yeah, like, the idea that, hey, man, a big, a, a big amount of resources is probably going to the, the Horizon Zero Dawn one, maybe. Like, who knows? I can get where that frustration comes from, but... I don't think that that means that in every single case of something getting re-released or remastered that we need to bang the drum and get mad because 
I, in that case, we're just going to be doing this forever. Because, like, again, to Janet's point, right? Like, this is a thing PlayStation's done before. Nintendo's been doing it all, like, all the time, right? Like, Xbox is blessed because they have smart delivery, and that helps out on a lot of that, like, aspect and, like, the automatic boosting and FPS boost and all that yeah. stuff. You know, that helps it not feel like we're retreading the same thing. But, yeah, like, I think for this, the fact that they're retreading or the fact that they're repackaging it with new content helps out a bit, right? And I think that's what I want. You know, I like some of my favorite games getting new content because that gives me more, more of a reason to revisit it. Um, a question I have for you guys is that, are you guys going to replay it? Like, and also, is this the right time for it? Because, you know, one of the things going back to Last of Us Part 2 when it first came out in 2020 was, oh man, this year is rough. We got COVID, like everybody's depressed. And this game is coming out in the same July where there was George Floyd stuff happening and like everything was dreary and like all this stuff, right? And it was... That was a game that was hard for me to play through sure. um, by the time it came out because it was, dude, I'm already depressed. And now I'm playing this game that's all about murder and the cycle of violence and all this shit. <laughs> like, we're in 20, we're about to enter 2024. A lot has changed, but also a lot has changed for the worse in the sense that, like, you know, there's been, uh, you know, Neil Druckmann isn't shy necessarily about the influence that, like, the Israel-Palestine yeah. war has sure. on his writing, right? And, like, th there's been shit thrown his way, right? And conversations around how, like, you know... He grew up uh, taking a lot of like stories in, a lot of his experience in as somebody who is pro-Israel. I don't know. If, I feel like that's fair to say on like Neil. Druckmann. I mean, he's 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 an Israeli. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. And so like you know, he's taken a lot of that influence in his writing as well for the Last of Us Part Two and the story, and that's something that he's also not shy about as well. And I think the timing is pretty wild that January 2024, only a couple months after so much is drummed up around the Israel-Palestine war, right? This game is coming out. And like, in, the, in a way that this game was hard to play already in 2020, I don't really want to play through the story in 20, in 20, at the beginning of 2024. And I'm also some, to put my, like, my own um, stance on it of when I played it back in the day, right? Like, even when I finished Last of Part 2 in 2020, that story never hit like fully in a way that like I fell in love with. Like there are aspects of that story that to this day I'm like, I don't know if I feel what this game is trying to say about the cycle of violence and about like, you know, humans, I guess, need to be violent. Like, but I, I, I guess like our inherent flow into, oh, like I'm going to go for revenge. I, mean, I feel like that game has like a, a dark outlook on human existence and our desire for revenge and our desire for violence and all that stuff. But I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah. I mean, I think you said the quiet part out loud, which I'm glad you did because like that when I, I was thinking of that too, like coming into this episode. Um, there's a fantastic article over on um, Vice, you know, originally through like Waypoint Vice, which is, you know, Waypoint no longer exists under Vice, but uh, it's called The Not So Hidden Israeli Politics of the Last of Us Part Two uh, by Emmanuel Myberg. Apologies if I butchered the last name, but uh, that really encouraged people to read because it was something that I was not um, as aware of um, playing through Last of Us Part Two. Um, and this kind of collects just different. Uh, quotes from from Neil and and just sort of contextualizes like the history, his direct quotes, what he thinks about things, what he, what inspires him. Um, and yeah, it's tough, you know. I mean, it's it's kind of that classic like the 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 art versus like artist inspo slash intent. Um, where it kind of it is about you know the tagline on this article is the Last of Us Part Two presents what at first seems like an even handed point of view, but perpetuates the very cycles of violence is supposedly so troubled by. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's tough playing through something like that, thinking of, of the realities of our world and the way violence has unfolded for so many people in a way that's highly real. Um, 
yeah like it's so am i am i into playing last of us part two now um i'm not gonna lie it does hit different it's tough because like i i love that game and i think there's um you know bless like especially you you and i we did that spoiler cast after it came out and there's so much to unpack and so much you know intrigue and conversation yeah. the game has a characters. lot to say yes and i and i still really enjoyed the game but i'd be lying if that wasn't on my mind i didn't feel kind of some type of way about it you know un un uncomfortable and you know some people might, might argue oh well like isn't that the point but yeah yeah it's it's something that i'm not really looking to hype up in a sense because i do think it's so tough for me to say oh well i'm gonna be like all in on last of us part two i've been not talk about you know the realities of what's going on in our world um you know politically um so yeah there's it's definitely it is a weird it is an awkward time to release last of us part two in those senses for sure and then from like a a content perspective i don't know i've always wanted to replay last of us part two you know i've always wanted to get like the platinum and check things out and i and i do want to see the lost levels and again like I really have to emphasize that I'm such a stan of this game itself. Like I have like the art book and I just, you know, like there's so much there, but also again, um, realities and inspo aside, like it just inherently is also a very dark game. It's a really heavy game. And it's a game that I think a lot of us came out the other side talking about how masterful the game is, but also how much like, wow, loved it. Never want to do that again. And mm -hmm. I feel like that weighs even heavier today. So um, will I replay it? I want to say yes. Will I do it super soon? Am I going to run to replay it? Um, I'm probably going to say no, but I'm, it's here. This upgrade's there when I'm, when I'm ready for it. And, you know, yeah, you know, I, again, there's, you kind of, I'm glad that you brought it up, but there's like so much to unpack with, with that conversation around it. Um, but Greg, I'm curious how that, how that strikes for you. It's a big thing. It's a big question. It's a big topic, right? I think, you know, I remember reading, cause this is an older article, right? Yeah, I think it came out when, the, when Last right. of Us 2 first came out. And so it's definitely one I remember reading at the time and thinking it had interesting points or whatever. But I think at that point, I already I was already done with the game, right? So I do want to reread it. And then I think I do want to go into the game with it. I, You know, it's hard to say right now as you look to January, which is always like, oh, it's, you know, not that far, but it is kind of far. Like, I, I'm looking at GameInformer.com slash 2024, right, of what's around it. You got Alone in the Dark on January 16th, Prince of Persia Lost Crown on the 18th. And then January, uh, uh, the last was uh, remastered on uh, the 19th, right? And so it's like, my thoughts are diverse. And uh, so like, if you just want to talk about the video game as it is, right? Yeah, I plan on playing it when it drops, probably. It, when it got announced, I was like, oh man, it actually was an interesting, maybe during December, finish the replay of Last of Us Part 1 that I had started, then, but then stopped, right? Again, now that I have Portal 2, where it doesn't have to be like, you know, dominate the screen, I could do something, maybe try to platinum that or whatever, and then get ready for Part 2 and go back and try to platinum that, because that was a platinum I enjoyed getting uh, on the PlayStation 4 time run. You know, I guess I played on PS5, but you follow me. Mm -hmm. um, then to get into the politics part of it, like, the interesting thing about it and art is that, and I know that obviously is this article is talking about and pulling up Neil and his reference points for what he did or whatever, right? Is that when you enter into this, you know, I, for me, it was always much more uh, Trump's America that echoed in Last of Us Part Two, right? Because obviously an artist can make art and then you're going to apply your own lens and go right. through it, right? So as you go in and like there, there's the walled city and there's the two sides of it and who's this, that, and the other, blah, blah. That's what spoke more to me, even the, in, in the border wall, sure, for... United States, Mexico, but then even like, you know, it's, it, I was breezing through the vice people are talking about it, right? It brought, brings up one of the notes talking about religious fanatics, right? 
for me and where I'm always where I shouldn't say that where you know what my day to day is and what I worry more is the religious re- religious fanatics in America and the fact is we continue to see right versus left Republicans versus Democrats pull back to different sides of it right and what that means and I think more of a handmaiden's tale thing that's what I played through the last of us part two understanding more of right and being more that was my lens to enjoy the art I'd, pref- I'd I'm, I appreciate being able to read through this go back and experience it that way and look at that way. But the fucked up thing to talk about, right. is like, Oh man, it's really crazy to release this now. And, and blah, blah, blah. It's also the fact that like, whether you're Israeli or you're Palestinian, this has been the reality for decades. Mm. Everything has been colored through this lens. Any th- fiction you're going to play that is going to be about this is going to be about that. Right. And so that's where it's like right now for mainstream, for us, we're at a, a touch point, right? We're at this like, you know, lightning rod where it's on everybody's mind. And hopefully you've been doing research and reading about it and listening to podcasts and finding uh, the voices out there to influence what's going on and what you think about the situation. Uh, so it'll be interesting then to play that with that more of that backing to me. I think even when there was the last flashpoint, you know, where we, uh, there was so much stuff where we were talking about uh, free Palestine and we were doing these things and Tamor was leading this thing. And I'm talking about the first time, yeah, not right now. 2022 maybe. Is that when it was? I can't ever keep, I can't remember. But it was that idea there of like, you know, it was a kick in the ass to try to learn about something around the world that was going on. And so right now, hopefully you've kept up that education. I'm talking to you, the viewer, you, the listener, right? Of like, what's going on and what you think about it and yada, yada, yada. It's like, to your point, like, is this a good time to play a game that has this serious subject matter? I would venture, I mean, your own mental, your own mind palace is mm-hmm. your own mind palace and whatever you need to do is what you need to do. But I would think a game that is presenting ideas about love, about hate, about, you know, the journey you're going to go on and find both these characters on and what they do. Cause again, like without having read the vice article and knowing it off the top, I mean, it felt like we came to a point where it was like, this is stupid. We shouldn't do this. And I would like to think that would be the thought on any war, let alone Israel, Palestine, right? That there should be a way to forgive each other and get to the end of this, no matter what the thing was. But mm-hmm. I'm not trying to push that on that. And I'm not educated enough in the vice article to pull that about right now. My thought would be that like, no matter what, remember when they fucking, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine and we stopped advance wars from coming out, right? Like that was the move. And then it just never came out for like a year and a yeah. half because guess what? Yeah. Russia's still in fucking Ukraine. Like that's still happening. Like, I'm not trying to be the what about is them, but there's always something else horrible happening in the world. And it really is about how much you're paying attention. But I do think that art that challenges or art that makes you feel something can then use you, it can then be used to contextualize and hopefully sympathize with it. Right? Like that's the thing about it for me when I talk about Israel, Palestine, right. Of going through and listening to these podcasts from uh, NPR, following up with correspondents or contacts who are in Palestine, who are going through this, who are having their families murdered or moved out of these places. Right. And it is like, this is the best solution. And, and I mean, when I'm not trying to get onto a political soapbox and do all that right now and yada, 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 but like the, the long and short of it. And I think what the last of us part two, I think does well, but I could, I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't humanizes the other side. And I would say that that's what we need more of in the world period. And I, it can be applied to Israel, Palestine. It can be applied to, uh, Trump versus Biden, uh, R- Republicans versus Democrat, right? Of like, when we just demonize people and they aren't human anymore, when you're subhuman, when you're inhuman, it's so easy to commit atrocities and do fucking horrible shit to each other. When in reality, if you can come back and be like, why are we fucking doing this? Yeah. I just want to play guitar in a farmhouse. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about video games, right? Where uh, 
we often talk about video games as being this thing that you can have fun with, right? And for the longest time, we talked about, oh, video games are art, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's, that's a conversation that's old, a little bit tired, but also, I think, still ongoing in terms of the amount of things video games can be. And I, and that's one of the things about Last's Part 2, right? Even though I think it's a weird time for it to release, I'm, it, I'm still glad it exists and is, it's, it's committing to telling a story in the way that it wants to tell a story, because I look back at games that I played, like, a Nier Automata, and I appreciate how much Nier Automata has to say about philosophy, right? I appreciate how much um, A Gone Home has to say about its subject matter, right? Or like, I appreciate what God of War has to say about family and relationship and like raising a son and all this stuff. For sure. And Last of Us has a lot to say about violence and all this stuff, right? But also I think it has a lot to say about the politics and a lot to say about war and um, what that looks like for both sides and all that. And I think each person is gonna take it in, the, in their different ways, right? And I totally understand the perspective of like, well, it ends up in this, amicable quote-unquote amicable right like amicable way where ellie puts down the ellie puts down the gun ellie puts down the for last of us too. Like, for last of us this is my chance in case in case you haven't played it i mean some that's why they're making it yeah, that's like i don't know you know um but, but like you know i think you, you i think there you could say that i also think that i totally understand anybody who's like yeah but when you say that from somebody who is on the pro-israel side right like that means something different than if it was somebody yeah. on the pro-palestine side making it right and so like you know i'm curious to see how people take to it this time around i'm also curious to see like my challenge to people would be to play through it with that mindset going in because that's a mindset that i didn't have when i first played last yeah. part two because i didn't know that like 100 you know, had this perspective or that like you know i wasn't as educated about what's going on in palestine and uh, gaza currently uh or as i as i am currently and so to go back into it through this lens to see like all right how does this hit what does this have to say right yeah. i might come out come out of it liking it worse than i did in 2020 i might come out of it being like Oh shit! Like there was another layer to this that I didn't realize. Um, but I think that is part part of the beauty of video games being art. But then also I think that's it's part of the the not consequences and ramifications feel like bad words, right? But I guess it's a result of hey, like if we have if we're if we're gonna make it art, it's got to be art, right? And so like that is that has to come back into into how we receive it, right? People are gonna either hate it because of what it has to say, right, or people are gonna love it because of what it has to say, and you know the articles the thing pieces all that stuff i think are are, are, are going to come after but yeah like it is it is wild seeing this game come out in january january 2024 knowing where we're at and like looking back at the thing pieces that we got right about um how much the the, the israel palestine war influenced the the riding behind this game yeah um it was uh and when i say funny i mean more like oh it's interesting to think of it in that way where greg you mentioned kind of the is it is you know things are always kind of going down and i'm like it's never a good time to release last of us which some people also true. when it came out they're like i mean there's a there's a lot of um there's a lot of darkness in the game there's a lot of like there's a lot of debate on whether or not you know what does this add to the franchise and, and the story that it's trying to tell um yeah and i do think um i don't know it's so tough uh go read that vice article it's really it's really fucking good and it is really yeah. like illuminating and i think it does to blessing's point like having that lens like centrism always sounds good because it's like you know it does have that humanization aspect to it which is important but it does you know like as you're you know quoting from the article uh it mentions this common centrist position on violent conflict while better than absolute dehumanization is not coincidentally a worldview that allows conflicts to drag on forever and i think that's again this art this article mm -hmm. just hits like it hits every time i've been you know it's been getting shared a bunch check it out if you haven't already um but yeah i mean so to also what y'all mentioned um there's nothing and obviously people are going to, you know, hear us talk about it and they're going to be upset about this, that, and the other. And that's what, how is that different from any other week? Right. Uh, despite, you know, 
levels of seriousness I'm, and severity. I'm, I'm, I'm excited aside, for the like, comments people, that are going to be like, yes. just talk. Why don't you just talk about the games? Yeah. You know, we're talking well, about also, the game. Like, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, this is the you know, and I get that. This like, is the game. People yeah. come to games for different things, and like, if you want to come and play Last of Us Two and just like hang out and the fucking shooting's really good, then yeah, like I mean, I have that layer to me too. Like you know, and and to bless your point, like I think you know the whole idea of games as art and what they say, like. That that cuts in many different ways. Like it's not always as as layered as this scenario is, but like there's always something involved because people make games and I, people have their opinions and they, you know, like they don't create things in a vacuum. But bless, go ahead. You were gonna I was say, it. can I say video games are so fucking weird? Because yeah, we're having this conversation about uh, Last of Us Two and what its story yeah. is saying and like you know how layered it is in the context in which it's releasing. And I'm and the first thing I thought about when I saw this announcement was. Ah oh, shit! A roguelike mode, like damn, let's go. Also, in a game, in a game that's a, that's a commentary about violence too. Like I'm like looking at this mode where I'm gonna shoot through hordes of people and see like how much I can level up and how far I can get. Like it's yeah, so it's wild. Like, I'm glad they're making that mode because it seems really fun and I'm gonna play the hell out of it. But I'm also yeah. like, isn't that kind of tone deaf to what the game is about? <laughs> yeah, I, no, I mean totally. There's like so much space for both in in these things where it's like it's and that's what a lot of people had that conversation too when Last of Us Two came out of the like. Oh, it, I don't know. It's telling me violence is bad, but then it makes the violence like really fun. Like that's the best part of the game is yeah. the violence, you know. So there is that, like you know, in in a sense, like it, are the mechanics at odds with the the narrative that it's even telling? Like there's many layers to to examine a game like this, and I think you know, again, people are gonna say what they want to say because they have something to say, right? Like a lot of times, people that comment on our work don't really fully engage with the work that they're even commenting on, but that just is what it is. That's what being on the internet is, right? But you know, I want to emphasize that obviously we talk about these games and they have like all these layers and aspects to them and we can examine them from multiple lenses and we're, you know, multifaceted in that way. Like me and Bless talk about all the time, right? Problematic fade, Detroit become human. Like I think there's oh, also yeah. a See, difference between artist intention and then like what they make once they put it out there that cuts both ways. And like, that's you such a good example. Because... For so many different things and get so many thing, different things out of it, despite what the artist intended when they sat down to make the thing but yeah go ahead bless. yeah i'll say detroit is such a good example because that's a game where i so roll my eyes at how it's going about like yes. conveying its message and like the the corniness of when the, the androids start singing and i'm like really like all the references to martin luther king and so civil rights stuff. and i'm like this is the weirdest corniest way to do this like it did not land on in that aspect this is, game is not doing a great job but i love that game because the yes. the choices are really fun like the yes, choices are really fun. Too, like that is a game that is so much like, I mean, it might be, I'd be saying something. Well, it might not be saying something good, but it's trying to say something, right? It feels like when you play exactly. it, like it's saying something. Yeah. And yet David Cage is like, I wasn't saying anything. And it's like, how is that? <laughs> you know, like, and again, that's just another part of analysis. And I get if there's a sector of the audience that's like, Hey, I just like when the, the, the gun gun feel good. And I'm not discounting that as part of a way to engage with games too. That's like such an aspect of it. But yeah, there's, there is certainly a space to have this conversation, and it's a conversation that I think is worth having because it's relevant to the game. It's you also know why what games I mean? are so like, cool. It just is part of it. Like it's also why games are so dope. Let me, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad. Like you know, if you remember my review for Last of Us Part Two, I did when I finished it. I was very much like, this is, and I didn't have the words for it because I'm an idiot, of course. But I was like, this isn't. This is more than a game, but it's like a book. But it's like I'm in, in the way that it is art that you're gonna find something different in it. Yeah. I like these. I want to read the final four paragraphs from the Vice article, if you don't mind, just because I think it sets it up really interestingly. Of like the conversation we're having and it, mm -hmm. Neil's intention slash Neil making the thing slash blah 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 blah. But but is intense hate really a universal feeling? It's certainly not one that I share. 
I too have seen the video of two, I of the video of 2000 mob killing of the 2000 I'm sorry 2000 year uh, mob killing of the Israeli soldiers uh, and it's horrific. Yet my immediate response wasn't, and this is a quote from Druckmann, oh man, if I could just push a button and kill all these people that committed this horrible act, I would make them feel the same pain that they inflicted on these people, as Druckmann said. This is not a universal feeling as much as it's a learned way of seeing the world. There are many other ways to react to that video. Compassion for the victims, compassion for the killers, questioning why these soldiers had to dive, uh, drive into the West Bank in the first place, questioning what would drive a mob to this kind of violence. Revenge and hate is just one option. The Last of Us Part 2 is an incredible journey that provides not only one of the most mesmerizing spectacles that we've seen from a big-budget video game, but one that manages to ask difficult questions along the way. It's clearly coming from an emotionally authentic and self-examining place. The trouble with it, and the reason that Ellie's journey ultimate feels nonsensical, is that it begins from a place that accepts, quote, intense hate that is universal as a fact of life, rather than examining where and why this behavior is learned. Critically, not being... A, not be, by, I'm sorry, critically, by not asking these questions and by masking its point of view as being even-handed, it perpetuates the very cycles of violence it's supposedly so troubled by. What I appreciate about that, and I think is a good summation to end on, right, is the revenge and hate is just one option, right? And then it's us all going through. It's clearly, in the, you know, to the David Cage, I'm not trying to make a point. Mm. It's clearly coming from an emotionally authentic and self-examining place, right? Like, again... This is an artist making something. And granted, we keep saying Neil, 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 Neil. There's, yeah, yeah. there's Haley. There's the entire team of Naughty yeah. Dog, yada, yada, yada. But obviously, he's the man pushing forward on all this stuff, right? I think it's, it's, even if you wanted, I think, to encapsulate this argument and push it back, I would go to Last of Us Part 1, where I've said for, since the launch of that game, Joel is the bad guy. And we have yeah. all these fascinating arguments, you and me, kind I of funny listeners and podcast people. Like, you're crazy. When you have a kid, you'll feel different. Da, 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 blah, 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 blah. That is such that entire argument that's raged on for near a decade, a decade yeah. yeah, a decade now yeah. is also the encapsulation here, right? It's one option, it's one feeling. We all play something and feel something different, and anybody can be in any game person's shoes, any character, any point of view, and either feel like that was the right thing, or I would have done this, or I would have done that, and da 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 da. And so I think to wind it down, it will be interesting to play through Last of Us Part Two and think more about what's currently happening in Gaza, right? And see if like that, is, where do you, where do we feel, and where do you feel, and da da da. Mm -hmm. But it is that same thing of like, there's choices in The Last of Us Part Two that I was like, no, no, don't do that. And then there are other ones where I yeah. was like, oh, of course, yes, do that. Like it's the same thing from Last of Us Part One. That is what these games are going for. That's the feeling they're trying to get out of you. Cool. Can uh, can we also end on some dumb things? Just just want to throw out some stupid stuff so uh, yes yeah, uh, Ryan you, in the chat says can I give a sponsor break first can we do that yeah or do you want to do it is, is, is that where you want uh, to do the dumb stuff let's just do it now because it's like really quick okay go for like, it uh, we have Ryan in the chat who says I would pay 70 if they included daddy Pedro likeness into game and then I also want to point out much like blesses I'm dumb for being like oh my god roguelike mode um I'm excited to wear that astronaut costume dude that <laughs> astronaut costume looks dope can't wait just like I can't wait for you to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny, ladies and gentlemen. Over on patreon.com slash kind of funny. Of course, you can be live in the chat right now, commenting, being part of the show, supporting us, and getting PSI Love You XOXO a day early and ad free. Of course, on patreon.com slash kind of funny, you could also get the show ad free on demand as an MP3 and video. You could get more than 400 pieces of exclusive content we've put up over the last year. And of course, you could get some sick, sweet merch like the shirtless Spider Man Nerf Alice shirt that is our premium item for this month. But guess what, Jack? You're not on Patreon.com slash kind of funny. So here's 
a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. There's so much to be thankful for, family, friends, food, and NFL football all week long. DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping your Thanksgiving week full of action. New customers can bet just five bucks on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Looking ahead to Thanksgiving, you know the Lions are always playing next week, and they have Green Bay coming to town, and the Lions are currently seven and a half point favorites. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code kinda funny. New customers can bet five on the NFL Thanksgiving action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code kinda funny. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In West Virginia, you can visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. You can call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. You can see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Blessing. Greg. What's happening? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week in picks on PlayStation. Yeah, so uh, it's time for PlayStation picks. The drop is real quick this week. Uh, we only got Jurassic Park Classic Games Collection coming to PS5 and PS4. Is the Sega Genesis Jurassic Park on this? I have no idea. I've not looked into this. I, honestly, I could not tell you what any of the Jurassic Park games are. Actually, no, there was wow. one builder, right? There was one like a tycoon type Jurassic Park game. Well, yeah, that's Jurassic World. Yeah, with the Sim Crate thing. I don't know. Well, isn't the world the new movies? Because yeah. I'm thinking of back in the day. Oh. Because I remember playing one at Addison's house. Of yeah. course. Yeah. God bless Addison. <laughs> Addison had all the games. How do we get Addison on this show? Dude, That's it does have Jurassic Park Genesis on this. Are you going to get oh, it? Oh, wait. Yeah. It has Jurassic it has Park 8-bit, titles. Jurassic Park Portable, Jurassic Park 16-bit, Jurassic Park Genesis. So is that the Sega Genesis game or is that the... Oh, no, there he is. Yeah. I might have to fucking play this. Link. Oh, snap. Can you build things? <laughs> no, you're, you're just Alan Grant running around, riding a raft, running from a T-Rex. Hell yeah. Love that for you. Thank you. It means a lot for me. I also love that you're playing Bluey. I am. I wanted to give my review of Bluey the video game, ladies and gentlemen. If you aren't a parent, uh, you might not know about Bluey. Uh, Bluey is an incredibly... Janet, you're nodding your head. Do you know about Bluey or do you not know about Bluey? I, I know about Bluey. Okay. Bluey, of course, is on Disney+. Plus. It's an incredible show. I'm not a parent, by the way. Like, I don't, not that I know of. But her, your toddler walks in the back and gets them. Like, yeah. And Janet, you're like, oh, you don't remember? You don't remember Sue? <laughs> Sue's been around Sue? forever. That's what she named her son. Mm. A boy named Sue. See? You didn't see that coming. Johnny Cash song. Great stuff. You know uh, Bluey's a girl? Yeah, I'm well aware of who Bluey is. Yeah, Bluey's I a girl. I, did, I didn't learn that until last week. I didn't week. know Bluey was a girl either. Me I, didn't know, learned I hear Bluey's good. That's what it's I the, hear. It's the same Bluey's reaction. phenomenal. So again, I... It's like only a couple minutes an episode. To, it's eight minutes an episode. So. I would tell you if it's one of those... This is one of those shows that is brilliantly designed that it is a show for parents, but kids can watch it and enjoy it kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like they are dealing, you're watching this thing and it's always an existential crisis you're oftentimes you're as a parent teared up, if not crying by the end, because mm -hmm. they're talking about a parent's love for their child. They're talking about 
um, you know, uh, uh, losing a child in general. Like there's all like the shit hits like they're going for it. It's about love. It's about loss. It's about life. It's about a million things, but it's also just a really entertaining show from Australia. It's humongous, just gigantic. It's been one of those uh, big ones that has just taken off and done a million things. And so it is finally a video game. Uh, I played through it in platinum. We did over the weekend. Oh. Uh, kind of funny operates, of course, on a five point scale, ladies and gentlemen, one being terrible, five being amazing. Stick with me on this one. Bluey is a two out of five game. Okay. It is a bad video game. Okay. However, yeah. I think it's a fun toy. So obviously it is a fool's errand to review a children's game. Everyone knows that you've seen it a million times. Like when was the last 10 out of 10, nine out of 10 children's game you had to go play. You know what I mean? Like we need a child to review the game. Well, then it's like, yeah. then you luckily I, with the power of the PlayStation thing. portal, Ben did play quite a few, a few minutes of oh. running the kid around. He now understands, um, he understands Ben's what a left joystick does. What, what can, can you give me a quick uh, sense of Ben's gaming sensibilities? Like what was his first game? Like what can he, yeah, wh- he cannot he play anything. He's only two, right? So he, that's okay. impossible for him. He's watched Mario wonder. Uh, okay. His first thing he ever watched would have been uh, Zelda. We, he would he would wake up in the morning and come off for what was cartoons. He would then go Zelda, Zelda, and we would play Tears of the King. <laughs> what would you do if like you're stuck in a shrine and you just start to see Ben like pointing and being like, oh, you oh. that you idiot. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, like you do, and you're like, oh, that's the puzzle. And he kept if he kept doing that like five shrines in a row. Oh, just would, pass would, the controller. Like, oh, this is a prodigy. Yeah. Like, yeah, do you yeah. take him to like a gifted school? Like, are I you, send like, him right to Miyamoto. Oh snap! He's like, hey, he can help you on your next he game. Raise, you, he's he's already beyond me. You have to raise a Miyamoto <laughs> again, uh, like you do with Reggie. Uh, no, so yeah, in terms of playing stuff, <coughs> that doesn't exist yet for Ben. <coughs> this was the first time where he held the portal and he was he put he has a dump truck remote control dump truck that he has and he's over the we've had it forever. He used to just watch me play with it. Now he's pieced together forward and reverse. We still, he's still working on turning on the, you know, cause it comes mm-hmm. with the controller. Uh, this one, he was able to pick it up and immediately understand left joystick moved, uh, the ca- character. I was bluey, but you can be anybody in the family, uh, run them around and do that. Huh? Like Sue. Do they play differently? No, that's Janet's family members? No, no, they're all the same. Okay. You know what I mean? It's that whole thing. You, you can play I'm with anybody. I'm looking to take this as seriously as we can. Like, I appreciate it. another game, you know? No, no. And so like, again, as a video game to review, right? You have, it, they break it up into episodes. There's basically four main episodes and a fifth that's an, like an epilogue or you guys at the beach or whatever. They are incredibly short. Like again, Bluey's an eight minute show, right? This mm. obviously you could stretch and you know, how hard is it if you're playing with kids and you can all drop in, drop out co-op to up to four players on it, which is nice. Uh, but 15 minutes an episode. So you're looking at, I mean, even when I say that, that sounds long. It might even be shorter than that. Where does, where, where is it like, is it on TV? Like, is it, what channel are they playing Bluey on? Because 15 minutes is such a weird... Oh, well, no, 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 no. I'm talking right now about the video game. Oh, the video game is eight minutes. The show itself is eight minutes. It runs on Australian TV, but you can get it on Disney Plus. I'm sure it's some terrestrial station as well. But I watch it on Disney Plus. Um, The show, the the episodes of gameplay, Uh I would say are 15 minutes or whatever. Okay. And there's four main ones and then a small, like, epilogue you run through as a fifth one or whatever. Are they original stories or are they, like... They are. This is all original. Uh, Bandit, the the dad, has a treasure map him and his brothers had made. And so you complete little tasks and get pieces of the treasure map to then go off and find out what the treasure was. Um, on top of that, you're, it, it has you playing mini games uh, from the show itself, like Keepy Uppy, which is where you hit a balloon and you keep it in the air. You know, stuff we've all played. Floor is Lava. There's this little uh, chatter max you chase around and try to capture and do all these different things. There's four of those, four little mini games that you can play whenever you want to. Then there's these five episodes, right, that you can replay if you wanted to. And then there's Free Roam in the environments you've unlocked that also have 
uh, you're, you are doing this on holiday. So you have like a book that's like a sticker book. And so as you find objects in the world, you add a sticker to your page or whatever. So you have all these collectibles, all these plants to grow, uh, all these things to go there. The platinum, I would say grand total somewhere between two and three hours, maybe closer to two. So like I did everything really quickly. Um, gameplay wise, right? Like it is run from one room to get the other thing, to do the thing, to chase the thing. Like none of it. And like, there's big icons, obviously it's a kid's game telling you where to go and what to do. So I've seen people dinging that of like, there's no like imagination to it, which I get, but I think you're trying to make a game for all ages, all children's ages or whatever. And so as a video game, yeah, it's a bad video game. It's not an okay video game. This is where I kept going back. I'm like, it's okay. Like would I say it's an okay game? No, I wouldn't say it's an okay game. But I would recommend it if you're a Bluey fan and your kids are Bluey fans because Ben rewatches Bluey episodes all the time. If Ben continues to be a Bluey fan, I do think he would just want to exist in that world. So when you have these environments like the Healer House open to go play in, like, yeah, there's the mini games you could do with your friends when they come over. But there's also stuff like they've set up like soccer goals outside and a soccer ball that you could run and kick. And it's not like it's keeping score or anything, but kids love to pretend and play goofy little things right that. So it's like, it's a $40 game, which then you're like, well, for two hours, I, I think it's, it does the game, no service to think of it in a traditional review sense, a traditional mm. video game sense where it really is. I saw, I think yesterday it was on sale already for a black Friday thing for like 25 bucks, 20 bucks. And so it's like, when you get into that, how much is your kid going to do it? How much do they want to come back? I don't, in my remembrance of playing video games, I wasn't grinding for platinums as a kid, right? I was just excited to yeah. go back into a world I love. It reminds me of like going on CartoonNetwork.com as a kid, where they had a bunch of Flash games, and like yeah. Yeah. you played Teen Titans Battle Blitz, and I was obsessed with it. Or you play like an Ed Ed and Eddie game where you're going around and like you know doing food fights and stuff like that. And there was no reason for me to be playing them because I had an S64, like I had better, bigger and better games to play. But yeah. I would keep going back because I got to be in uh, like in the Ed and Eddie. You live there, right? Yeah, I yeah. got to live as Ed Ed and Eddie, or I got to you know fight as the Teen Titans, or I got to like you know, uh, adventure as the kids next door. And for me, that was enough. Like that was a worthwhile experience. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's a two out of five video game. I would actually recommend of like, if your kid, if you think your kids are going to want to play in bluey and be around bluey more than yeah. Like, again, it's got the voice cat, at least for mom. And this is a weird one where I have done no research, obviously, because it's just been a busy weekend, but mom and dad, I know for a fact are the voice actors from the show. I think bluey and bingo are, but it, it, it felt weird. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, Bingo's awesome. Don't I talk shit about that, Bingo. I love that someone's named Bingo. No, Bingo. I'm excited to hear that. But Bingo's it was the there. idea that like it, they sounded weird when I was using the wireless PlayStation ear pods because mm. I was using uh, you know the, uh, the remote play the entire time. So I was like, is this, am I losing something between the, because when I was playing off speakers on the portal, because I never played it on the TV. I only played it on portal. Mm-hmm. I was like, playing off the portal speakers sounds normal. It sounds like them. But then when I would have ear, the ear what do they call them? Fucking earbuds. Yeah, but what do they call them? Wireless the PlayStation Pulse, Pulse Explorer. Explorer. Whatever. Yeah, those ones. The place, the new ones. It's, it didn't sound like them, so I'm not 100 percent sure. Not that it matters for it, but it's a weird one of like, it, you know, I saw when I put up tweets about it over the weekend. People like, oh man, it's glitchy and this. I didn't have glitches. I mean, I do have the thing where it's like assets are on top of each other. Like it looks sometimes like a flash game. You know what I mean mm. in terms of it. It also, mm. but then you are running around the house and it's like there's a bunch of weird choices in it in terms of that stuff, but it, it does uniquely and fully feel like a bluey video game, the bluey world, which again, like you love the song, you love the things. I think there's something there and I think there's enough for a kid replayability. To when, go I, into I, it. when I saw the trailer get pulled up, I legit thought you're going to be like, Oh, this is a five out of five. Cause like, it looks really good from the trailer. It does. Which if you yeah, remember when I, like show. as I'm getting ready to beat Janet in fantasy critic, there mm-hmm. was a big debate. Do I take bluey or do I take 
Ram Blue Fantasy versus the fighting game. Yeah. And Which I think now needs to get an 84 or maybe an 85 for you to win, I believe. Is that right? Someone can do the math. Is that right? Yeah, there's, what is that, 145? Yeah, cool. And then, oh, way top. Uh, yeah, a little over 14 points if we're talking about the decimal. Yeah. Man. Look how high all three of us are and then look at like just the gap between yeah. us and the X-Cast. 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 Bunch of, bunch like, of idiots. Uh, what, is that 50 points? Like, what the fuck is going on over that, the X-Cast? They yeah, just it's a 50 care. point deficit. They've never cared about anything. I don't know. Anyways, so they don't get good games. So they don't know what good games are. Like I don't. I'm, something like that. Something's. Going hey, hey. On they got. A, they got Hi-Fi Rush. They got a good game. Did they draft it? Well, no. I was saying like for Xbox <laughs> <laughs> this year. You guys gotta draft the good games that you see. Anyway, I don't know. Um, to be fair, that's surprise drop. Nobody could have seen it. It was a brutal year. On it, like it was. I don't know. We'll say it for the end when we like look at it all, but. I don't know. So Bear's going to have to cut my mic during this fantasy critic recap because I'm just going to, I have a lot. I have a lot to say. I'll accept your, you know, congratulations whenever you want to give them to me. Make sure you make the trophy bigger this year, Greg, also for for me. Sure. Myself. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Anyways, Bluey, two out of five video game that I think is a, is a fun toy. I don't get it. Cool. Uh, Janet, you beat Cocoon. You platinum Cocoon. Woo! I platinum Cocoon. Yeah. Exactly. I got a platinum too, Greg. Okay. I mean, I have a child, but I do have a platinum trophy. <laughs> Hitting with <laughs> playing in my digital shelf. Cocoon is wild. Right? There's a lot of Giorgio O'Keefe energy in Cocoon. I'm going to throw that out there now. Get ready to see some, see some shit. But I played Cocoon. I beat Cocoon. Um, people will tell you Cocoon is a short game. Not if you're me, baby. I was in that <laughs> thing for 10 hours. It took me double the length of how long to beat. I don't know why. I didn't think I was dumb. Maybe I am. I'm not sure. I did it without a guide uh, for the playthrough, but I did use a guide for the Platinum. Nice. Um, the Platinum is very fast and very easy if you use a guide. It might be kind of harder without it because I don't know if the game gives you an indication. on You kind of look find these, like, ancestors, and then you, like, walk up to them, oh. and they'll be like, beep, 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 beep and they'll fly away. Um, I will say, as somebody so, who was playing all the way through without a guide, I got halfway through the game yeah. before I found one of those ancestors, and I was like... Oh, what are these guys? And I checked the trophies mm-hmm. and saw that there was like a million of them that you had to yes. find for the platinum. And I was like, huh, well, these are well hidden because I'm not finding these guys anywhere. Yeah, like I found a decent amount on my own, but I did need to get, I forget how, if chat knows how many there are total, but I did need to get, I think, six or seven more after the fact. So I did miss quite a few. Um, and I'm not going to lie, at one point I was like, look, I'm, and not like in a bad way, but I'm like, I, I want to, I don't want to go off the beaten path because I'm, having i'm being challenged on the regular path so i think i just need to get through the, the actual path and not look for these but with a guide it's very fast because you like the guides that are out there which i use true achievements which is like user uploaded you can go directly to the exact percentage and then you just walk up to them it's very very simple it's a very fast plat in that sense um the game is fantastic i started this um a while ago i think i might have mentioned it on the show and i finally sat down to finish it and um yeah, it's fantastic. It has like incredible style. The sound design, it's personally my favorite sound design of the year, I think. Tied maybe with the God with Dead Space remake for sound yeah. design. I just think everything they do is is brilliant. It's it's squelchy and kind of nasty while not being gross because the imagery isn't gross, but like there's such a fun blend of organic meets machine in Cocoon that I think just works so well. Um, and puzzle wise, it really does start to kick up. Um, it is definitely not a game I think you need to be fearful of if you are not, um, you know, a puzzle freak like Blessing, but you will be challenged, especially once you hit, um, I would say around that 89 percentage point where you're like, oh, the game's almost done. They were doing, they, they really said, take everything you know and put it together. And oh, I'm like, why? I'm not going to lie to y'all. I don't know if I understand 
really? what See, I'm looking at here. That was my one thing with it where, yes. yeah, when they you get to the place where they're like, all right, now take everything you know and put it together. I thought it was going to be way more advanced than it actually was. Because I solved that puzzle and I was like, oh, I kind of wanted it to be more challenging. Like, it was actually yes. really easy to do the thing they asked you to do. Well, I I got, I was a little challenged. I'm like, <laughs> so pick, choose your fighter. I think, you know, listening, if you align more with the puzzle solving of me or the puzzle solving of Blessing, maybe you split the difference. Um, that being said, like the challenges were never a lot of the game and I streamed it while I was playing it. Um, I'll pretend that's why it took me so long and not because the other reasons, but um, you're never like too challenged because everything is just like around you. But like, I did have to stop and think for a bit on some of those later puzzles in a good way. I enjoyed um, the way that it evolved, even if like, well, blessing, is it, is it fair to say, did you want it to evolve more or were you, how did you feel? I liked, about it? I, 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 it I liked it a lot by the time I finished okay. it. Right. Like I think, they do such a good job of easing you into it and then being like, hey, this is what's going on. Like, this is what, the way this world works. And even within those rules, they have, like, cool moments where I'm like, oh, yeah. snap. Okay, like, this is this thing. All right, that's cool. And um, the way they go about adding in new elements is so smart because it is, like, you know, the orbs are basically, like, levels that you're carrying around and doing things with. And those orbs will also get you, like, new abilities and stuff right mm -hmm. and so like the way they meld both those things together and the way they make the make all the worlds kind of like you know intermingle with each other the way that you can like never go back like too far back and get lost right like you always yeah. have a forward momentum um i think it's i think it's designed super well and i liked i liked how concise it was i think for the amount of time the, the length of that game i think it developed per perfectly because what it took me like six hours or so to beat six seven seven hours and yeah, like I didn't feel like there was, it was there was any time wasted. Yeah, um, I think there's also like a really nice, subtle Metroidvania element to what you're describing, where the orbs sort of function as having abilities as you carry them. In on top of just being like, you can jump into one and go into a level. Um, so it'll be something like the red orb can like make platforms appear underneath you, and you know other orbs have different like properties to them. But yeah, it's very it's it's really good. It's really well designed, and I think. The thing that makes this sort of special in a year that had a lot of really lovely puzzle games, you know, games like Viewfinder, I'm not far enough in Tal's principle to make a big comment on that. Um, what makes it really stand out, I think, is just how satisfying it feels to maneuver around the world and to execute solving the puzzles. Um, often when you find a solution, it's not like, you know, it's, it, it makes sense with what you've been doing. So you're like, okay, yeah, I'm guessing it works this way. But then to actually do it, feels really good to do which i don't i i feel like a lot of times the fun of a puzzle game is figuring out the solution and in cocoon you have that too but you also have fun in executing the solution yeah. which i think is a little bit rarer and it, it, to me that's the special sauce of cocoon it makes you feel like a genius which i think the best puzzle games yeah. make you feel like a genius because it is oh i gotta go in here and then come out here and then like go into the other orb and then take that thing and then put yeah. it here and then i can open that thing you feel like you're cheating the game every time you met, you find a solution and it's the most satisfying feeling also, at the risk of, like, lightly nodding towards certain solutions. So if you're very solution-sensitive, skip ahead, like, one, like 30 seconds or <laughs> I'm something. I'm solution-sensitive. Yeah. I mean, some people really are like, I, I know, I hear you, I get it. And I get it. But, um, bless, when you, like, fucking dunk the orbs like basketballs, oh, that shit's so good. That's, like, the best thing in gaming this year. It's not, but it feels like it is. When you, you know what I mean? the orbs like, like basketballs? Yeah, like, there's puzzle Because you've beat it, right? Yeah. There's, like, um... So, and it's not a lot of puzzles, but there's a few puzzles where you're like launch into the air and you like drop the orb down. Like oh, it's a yes, basketball. yes, yes. That feels so fucking good. Yeah, I feel that.
Like I love that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a really lovely game that only gets lovelier as you play through it. Uh, please go beat this game. It is mo it's probably short. It was a little longer for me, but I loved it. Uh, yeah, God, what a good year! But this is a fantastic one that like you got to see it through. Like I didn't finish Viewfinder, I didn't finish Humanity, and now I'm wondering maybe those have those highs too, and I just haven't hit there yet. But um, yeah, a really really freaking good game. So I really enjoyed my time with that one. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of PSI Love You XOXO. Of course, we recorded early this week because it's Thanksgiving here in the States. If you're in the States, happy Thanksgiving. If you're not, there was a whole thing with pilgrims a long time. It doesn't matter. Uh, we'll be back, of course, next week on our usual day. You can catch us record live on patreon.com slash kindoffunny next Thursday and then publish it youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Podcast services are on the globe next Friday. Remember, Patreon is the best way to get all of our content. You can get it ad-free. You can watch it live as we record it. You, of course, can get more than 400 bonus episodes of content and, of course, cool premium items. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.